0: Good morning. How is everybody this morning? Good. Well, it's good to be here uh, with you guys this morning, worshiping God together, and and uh, hopefully this morning, uh, this uh, this word is going to going to give us a little deeper look at at what it is, how we as Christians can. Um, can overcome our anxieties and fears that so eat up our world today it seems like that's all you hear about when you uh, you look in the news and uh you hear in the media it's nothing but our fears and worries and anxieties so we've been for the last few weeks we've been uh, talking we've been in this series called anxious for nothing and uh in this morning's text uh, from Peter, as you heard Andrew just read, uh, it's kind of like he's given us an instruction manual to and uh, how to overcome our fears and our worries in life. And uh, we don't have to. We don't have to be worried. Christ is with us. He's all powerful. And uh, so why, you know, why do we worry? And, we're going to get into that, and I think we're going to get a uh, kind of a more practical look at how to go about doing, doing that. So this morning, uh, the purpose of this letter that Peter wrote is to show believers how we can be victorious in the midst of hostility. Uh, hostility doesn't even explain well enough what the, the first hearers of this word from Peter was going through. And I just find it amazing that today, in our world, so many years later, we're still seeing a world full of hostility. Uh, and we need this teaching now more than ever. In this letter, Peter wanted to show his listeners how to, how to do this without losing hope, without becoming bitter, all at the same time while trusting in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And uh, just as when Peter wrote this letter, believers in Christ today are constantly being exposed to the works and deceptions of Satan. This is where all this hostility comes from. We We all know that here. It comes from Satan. We see it in so many different areas of our culture today. Satan is succeeding in brainwashing and turning away a generation of people from God right now. And one of the, one of the popular, trending false doctrines that we see going around today is, is you hear people say, whatever you believe is true for you, whatever I believe is true for me. So whatever I define my God to be will be okay And whatever you define your God to be will be okay too. But this isn't reality. Satan loves to confuse people by trying to redefine what the truth is. Another one going around says, my God is a loving God. He doesn't send people to hell. But we as believers, we know that isn't true. Think about it, how much easier would it be for Satan to turn people against God than to convince them that hell isn't real? We know that the Bible is filled with warnings and teachings of hell. And the, these are just two examples of what's going on in our world today, just a tip of the iceberg. Our world is filled with confusion. Confusion. The truth is that these are all forms of false gospels and those teaching these things are false teachers. Those believing in these things are in real danger. This is how Satan works. Uh, As John MacArthur said, he, he meaning Satan, he likes to find Christians who are not living a life that is consistent with the word of God and then parade them in front of unbelievers to show what a sham the church is. But Christians, we, we have hope though because uh, we have Jesus Christ. We have to stand against the enemy and we have to silence the cr- our critics. And we do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter's going to be showing us how to do that a, a little more clearly today. Uh, Peter showed just how blessed we are as Christians back in the first part of this letter in 1 Peter 1. Uh, he reminds us that as believers in, qua- in Christ, excuse me, we must remember our salvation and that we are called to be holy. We were chosen. 1 Peter 2.5 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people for his own possession. It's because Christ died for us on the cross and has already claimed that victory over sin and death through his resurrection that we don't have to give in to fear and worry anymore. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3, Peter said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But there, there's a certain way that we need to live our lives as Christians, though. And in today's text, I'm hoping to bring that out and make that a little more clearly for us all. Peter shows today that in order for us to avoid living in fear and anxiety, in order to... Uh, in order to avoid getting caught up in all the chaos going on in our world today, to not be anxious about every little thing, and to avoid slipping into the traps of Satan, there are some necessary attitudes that we need to that we need to live out. So, our key truth for today is: while the believer is being personally attacked by anxiety and fear. The Lord is personally perfecting him through through living a life with Christ-like attitudes. So what kind of attitude is necessary for believers to have in order to avoid this? Well, number one on your outline, we need to display an attitude of humility. So let's, let's take a look at the text and try to see what Peter's telling us here. And I, I believe if you do, in 5 and... We'll back up and we'll do chapter, I mean, verse 5 as well. I believe it's pretty obvious that Peter's talking about Christians need to be, to, to be humble. We need to show humility. Verse five, verse 5 says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. But it's not, he's not just talking about the young, as he mentions in verse 5. We're all to show humility to one another. So what does that mean? Well, in showing humility, it means we make others more important than ourselves. And it means being submissive to God and to one another. Mutual submission is the key pattern of life in the Christian church. Being humble means being submissive. We're submissive not only to God, but to each other. And Peter keeps returning to this theme throughout the book, throughout this book. Christians Christians will find freedom in submitting to God and that freedom will enable us to submit to each other. Back in 1 uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 13, he tells us how believers are to be submissive to civil authorities. And I know that's a touchy subject going on today, but but we really should. The Bible tells us that we are to be submissive to them, and we should be unless they are ordering us to do something that goes against the word of God. And that's an entirely different sermon for another time. But Peter also taught for wives to submit to their husbands in chapter 3, verse 1. And the men always like that one. And also, husbands are supposed to show respect for their wives, chapter 3, verse 7. And the women always like this one. So you see, Peter's word has something for all of us. Um but there, there are lots of others throughout this book, but you see the pattern here. We are all to show humility toward one another. And also, being humble means serving one another. In verse 5, it mentions to clothe yourselves with humility. And I think this is referring to, uh, in Peter's days, to what it would look like for a slave putting on an apron over his clothes to keep him to keep his clothes clean while he was serving others Uh, and in in Christ we have the greatest example of all of showing humility and the way the way that first comes to mind is with Christ is that he allowed himself to be crucified on the cross for us but I think here in today's text Peter is thinking more about in verse 5 whenever it he uh, remembered Jesus putting that towel around him and taking the basin of water and cleaning, the, uh, washing his disciples' feet. It's, it's that kind of serving. Edwin, uh, I like this quote from Edmund Clowney. He said, The humility of those who serve Christ is not merely the absence of pride or the awareness of limitations. Christian humility is, Is realism that recognizes grace. We show humility. We show humility toward each other in different ways. Uh, We show it by praying for one another, praying with one another, caring for those who are depressed or sick, being there for our brothers and sisters when they're struggling through heartaches. We lower ourselves to, to and serve one another. And we set our pride aside and put others first. And then being humble also means recognizing that God is strong and we are weak. The Bible teaches us that in order for us to have an attitude of humility, we need to recognize that, that God is, God is strong and we are weak. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, For who makes you different than anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? We all know that we didn't create ourselves and we didn't save ourselves. We have to realize how God's power and he's big and realize where we stand in that picture. When we realize that we can't do anything without God, then we'll then we'll understand what true humility is. Isaiah 41:10 says, "Fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand." And then in 2 Corinthians 12:9 it says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So we display an attitude of humility to our brothers and sisters when, when we follow Christ's example. He served others. He put others' needs ahead of his own. He sacrificed himself for us. What, what, greater, what greater example of humility is there? Praise be to God for sending us Jesus Christ. And then number two in your outline, we need to display an attitude of trust in Jesus Christ. Take a look with, you, with me, if you would, at verse 7. I'll, I'll just back up and read 6 with it. Uh, verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And then seven, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So we look at this and we, we say, what, what is the text saying to us here? Well, it starts out with a command. I think in the NIV translation it says, cast your anxi- all your anxiety. And in the ESV it says, casting all your anxieties on him. If we, were, if we look at, the, at this command and, and we examine ourselves uh, and if we find ourselves uh, giving in to worry and fear, then I think that means we're not trusting in God. And if we're not trusting in God, then that means we're probably trusting in ourselves. And if we're giving in to our fears or our worries and trusting in ourselves, then that would seem to me to be an example of pride. And I think we all know that pride is at the root of all sin. And believe me, I'm preaching this to myself as much as, as, much as anybody else. It's something I've struggled with all my life, But we have the truth of God's Word to strengthen our faith. And uh, I believe all of us struggle at some level with this. Some some worry about money, some worry about job security, others worry about their appearance, what other people think about them. We worry about our politics, what's going to happen to this country if so-and-so gets elected, but, uh, but Peter's showing us here in verse 7 that a sincere attitude of trust means casting all of our worries on Jesus' shoulders. But why why are we worried? God tells us not to worry. Our confidence is in the Lord. Psalm 56, three, 4, 3 and 4 tells us this. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Let's... Look back at the text here and then just look at uh, 6 and 7 again. And I think it's, it's telling us that believers need to humble themselves by casting their worries and their fears on God. He's saying that when believers throw their worries on God, they are expressing their trust in Him. They're saying that they trust in His almighty hand. He's all-powerful. It's an acknowledgment of of just how big God's power is and that He is our Lord and He's sovereign over all. In his commentaries of Peter's writings, Leonard Goepelt said, Affliction either drives one into the arms of God or severs one from God. And Peter teaches us that Today, that giving all of our anxiety to God makes all the sense in the world because he cares for us. The Bible teaches us this in other places as well. Psalm fifty-five, twenty-two says, Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. So what does this mean for us? It, it's real easy for us to say we trust in God but what does it look like played out in our lives I think we have to start by asking ourselves why are we afraid to begin with in reality we're all going to be afraid at times you could uh you could say that you could say that I have a fear of snakes if I If I were to right now walk out through the churchyard out here and walk up on a snake, one of two things is going to happen, most likely. That snake's going to be dead or I'm going to be running as fast as I can in the other direction. But what we're talking about here is a fear of things that we shouldn't be worrying about. Things that God wants us to cast on his shoulders because we don't have the capability of doing it on our own. And a sincere attitude of trust means, also means living in reality. In their podcast about why are we afraid, Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker had this to say about our fears. God wants us to live in reality, but at the same time, he wants us to depend on him. We would not be living in reality if we didn't think about how an upcoming event might affect us. But as long as we don't let our fears or our feelings keep us from doing what is right, and we turn to God in our fears, then our fear is not ungodly. So how, how do we display an attitude of trust? Well, Christians have to be courageous. And the most cri- courageous Christians are those that when they're afraid they place their trust in God and they obey him. Psalm 33:18 tells us the Lord watches over those who obey him, those who trust in his constant love. And then Psalm 33:20 also tells us we put our hope in the Lord, he is our protector and our help. When we're afraid, what do we do? We trust in God. We turn to His Word and we obey it. Even when it's hard. And sometimes it is hard. Psalm fifty-six, three tells us, When I'm afraid, when I am afraid, I put my trust in You. We must have faith in God who knows everything and And knows it before it even happens. He's the one that's going to get us through every difficult situation in our lives. And we have to realize that we all have weaknesses. And we need to depend on our almighty God to recover us from these weaknesses. So in our third and final point today. I've combined two attitudes that Peter, Peter has pointed out. That are pretty important for us in this battle with anxiety and fear. Number three, we need to display an attitude of alertness and an attitude of vigilant defense. So let's let's start with these couple of verses in eight and nine, just like we did with the other ones, and let's take a look at what it says. In verse eight of the ESD, it let me just read it first. Verse 8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And then verse 9, Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. In verse In the ESV version, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Another way of putting it would be to be self-controlled and to be alert. So an attitude of alertness is to acknowledge the warnings and to prepare yourself. And Peter is giving us a warning here. He's saying, be ready. Don't let your guard down. He's waiting to pounce and, and to devour. He, he gives this image of the lion, and uh, back then, in these days, the, this image of the lion would have been much more fear, fearful for them than it is for us today. When we we think about lions today, we think about the animal we see in the zoo behind in a cage or on, on TV in a nature show or something. And but back then. Probably most of these people had probably seen people thrown to the lions in the Roman amphitheater. Uh, So it was, this was a pretty serious warning Peter was giving here. It would have been pretty horrifying to them. But the lion, the lion Peter's talking about here is our evil opponent. He's always looking for ways, he's talking about the devil. He's always looking for ways to overwhelm believers with temptation with, uh, excuse me, persecution and discouragement. Satan will do whatever he has to to drag Christians out of fellowship with Christ. John thirteen twenty seven says, Then after he had taken the morsel, speaking of Judas Iscariot, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you're going to do, do quickly. We all know that Judas is the one who sold out Jesus and betrayed him. So this is how another example of how Satan works. And Peter knew this. The warning was serious for the people then, and it's just as serious for us today. And then Peter tells us uh, how we can defend ourselves. And we do that by resisting the devil and standing firm in our faith. What does this mean for us? How do we defend ourselves against the devil? First of all, I think, just as we mentioned, we have to be alert 24-7 because the devil is relentless. He's not going to let up. He's constantly trying to take down God's people and trying to trick us into sinning against him. I would imagine he probably has a little celebration every time one of us slips and and, and sins against, disobeys God. (coughs) Excuse me. And we know that's what sin is. It's disobedience to God. And then point B in your outline there, an attitude of vigilant defense is possible through obedience and faith. The opposite of disobedience is obedience, obedience to, in faith to God's word. John six twenty eight and 29 says, Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And in 29, Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who has sent you, whom he has sent. This is what the gospel message is all about. The gospel is turning from our sin and believing or having faith in Christ as our Lord and Savior. This is this is how we're able to be alert by being obedient to God's word and faith because and it's because of it's because of the grace of forgiveness that that Christ showed through it showed us through his substitutionary work on the cross. And his grace of promised help. Uh, Hebrews 13.8 says. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. And today and forever. He's unchanging. And. We're able to have an attitude of alertness. Because God's promises are always true. We can count on that. This should give us confidence. And it should encourage us in our walk as believers. And it should lead us to. An attitude of hope. And how can we uh, display an attitude of defense against Satan, though? How do we resist him when he comes at us? Well, we can't do it with some special formula or or with words against him. Although there are some who try to teach this, we shouldn't. We should never underestimate the power of Satan because we're not that strong. How did Jesus resist, resist the devil's temptations? He did it by the word of, with the word of God. We resist him by remaining firm in our faith, and that means we continue to live in accordance with the truth of God's word. When we're consistently in God's word and studying it, meditating on it, and obedient to it, it's then that Satan will be withstood. Uh, Ephesians 6, 16 and 17 says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. God you see, God gives us the ability to defend ourselves through faith in his word. If we're willingly giving ourselves to the Lord and submitting to Him and obeying Him, then we'll have the confidence then to resist the devil. In James 4-7, James says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But we must be diligent about it. When we're tempted to sin, we need to go to the Word of God and we need to pray to Him as well. James 4-8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And this, this is what it looks like for us to display an attitude of alert alertness and, and defense. So what's our takeaway today in all this? That I believe it's that anxiety and fear are weapons that Satan uses to bring us all down. And not everyone in this world will face opposition like we as christians do only believers in christ are going to face attacks from christ or from the from satan uh i mean why would satan want to attack somebody he already has control of anyway as christians we have to humble ourselves making others more important than ourselves the same way christ did for us we need to put our trust in the one who has conquered sin and death jesus christ We do that through obedience and faith in Christ. And the Holy Spirit will help us help us to be alert when Satan comes at us, and his power and and the power of the Holy Spirit will help us to defend our to defend his attacks against us. Anxiety and fear cannot control us if we have the right attitudes. And then these attitudes will help us to grow in Christ to maturity. And then in verse 10, it says, And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And verse 11, To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. After we've suffered in this world for a little while, Christ is going to strengthen us he's going to restore us and we're going to see that eternal reward that's where our hope is and that's how we that's how we get through the anxiety and fears we have in this that eat up this world today if you're here today and God's word spoken to you I really encourage you to come down here and talk you can talk with me or Grant Andrew or Matt any any one of our deacons, If God has put something on your heart that's concerning you it's not that we are all wise or have all the answers but we we care about you and we'll do whatever we can to help you out so let's pray your heavenly father we just thank you today for your word we thank you for how it serves as an instruction manual for our lives uh Father, just help us to not fall into that trap of anxiety and fear. Lord, give, us a, give us attitudes of humility and of trust. Help us to teach. Help, help teach us to be alert, to be ready. Equip us with your word so we can defend ourselves against the weapons of Satan. And uh, Lord, help us to be obedient and help us to trust in you instead of man's word. And in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.